So before we start today's episode of How the Fuck Did You Get That Job, we're on episode five or six, I'm losing count, of uh, How the Fuck Did You Get That Job, brought to you by Open Fortune here at Brand Week. And thank you for bringing us out, Open Fortune. They, uh, they do something crazy with the fortune cookie that you know and love. They actually took it, flipped it on its head, and created it into the world's cre- most creative ad canvas. So that is actually, it's like 2.125 inches, if you're being exact. But the way they did it, they created relationships with over 47,000 restaurants and producers and distributors, reaching 99% of the zip code, reaching people while they're free in a cool way that's not direct mail, billboards, or any of the four, four or 5,000 ads you see a day. So thanks, Open Fortune, for making this happen. And without further ado, let's get into it. From the meticulous world of agency work at Accenture to shaping some of the most iconic brands in consumer culture, Matt Rapicki has threaded a remarkable path through the marketing world. At Mattel, Matt spent seven transformational years diving deep into the art of storytelling and brand cultivation. His expertise caught the eye of tech giant Amazon, which we've all heard of, where he steered the marketing for my habit. But perhaps one of his most iconic roles came when he took the reins as global head of marketing for Barbie. We gotta get your take on the movie ensuring the doll's lasting legacy in this ever-evolving world to play. Today, Matt's at the vanguard of men's fashion leading as the SVP of chief and chief brand officer for tailored brands, the masterminds, behind household names like Joseph A. Bank and Men's Warehouse. Matt, I gotta ask you. Yeah. How the fuck did you get that job? It's been a crazy ride. Crazy, crazy ride. You know, I have done, I've been super fortunate. I've had a really uh, diverse career. Um, like you said, started out in consulting. Uh, thought I would learn a little bit about some brands and some businesses. Took me abroad for the first time. Um, and and then, what was that experience like? You know, I, I think I became really good at um, making my clients happy, uh, understanding sort of what they needed, understanding how to over-deliver that, uh, which has served me throughout my career in terms of, you know, creating relationships, working with partners. Um, Lived in Paris for a year while I was working at Accenture. Can't nice. say, you know, nothing yeah, wrong with I that. I just went to Paris for the first time this summer. It was amazing. It was a great time, um, yeah. I'm a Francophile. I, you know, I studied eight years of French in school. Grew up in California thinking, how am I ever going to use this? And, like, lo and behold, lived in there Paris for a year. So, uh, yeah, no, that was super, super interesting time. Four and a half years in consulting. And um, Would you recommend that people, also my job is just to interrupt you as yeah, you try good. to answer that one question. Yeah. How the fuck did you get all that good. job? But uh, would you recommend, like most of our listeners are between the age of 21, or early 20s, right? Yeah. Um, would you recommend like being on the consultancy side and what did you learn from that experience? I don't know that consultancy is for everybody. Uh, you know, I think there it requires like a degree of discipline. Like I said, it requires a degree of like relationship building, knowing how to like deliver on what folks are asking of you. Um, what I learned was you know, I got insight into a variety of businesses, sure. uh, global businesses. So, like, that was in, interesting on its head. Um, also got to work with a lot of different people who had different backgrounds and experiences. Um, at the end of the day, like, what I learned was that I was doing a lot of work and then I was moving on to the next project. And I really wanted the opportunity to see something delivered and implemented. And that's why I left consulting and moved in-house. Um, and, yeah. And really what, never what's, what's one of the biggest, I, I, I'm really curious about yeah. it because, like, brand versus consultancy agency side, right? Like what are some of the main differences or expectation versus reality when taking that switch and why did you make that switch? Um, I mean, I think like call it consulting, call it agency. You know, I think a pro to that is that again, you get to see and work on and touch a lot of different like brands and companies and like that's appealing. Um, It's appealing to a lot of people. You know, I think 
the switch for me was like really shocking when I joined Mattel and having ownership over the things that I was working on. Like, I and you were to, emphasizing on Europe, right? When I was at Mattel? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, so I started at Mattel and uh, they actually have a really neat tool. I don't know if they still do it, but the two stints that I had there, they, you would sit with your manager every year and talk about what are the things that you felt were your strengths, areas of opportunity, and then what is like a one, three, and five year kind of like goal. And I had just joined the company. I said to my boss, I'd love to like work and live abroad again. Two weeks later, she came back to me and she was like, want to move to Amsterdam. Uh, so I'd never been to Amsterdam. And, cool spot. But I now know that. I said yes. Yeah. I was yeah. like, absolutely. So um, yeah, to your question, I spent two years living in Amsterdam, working across the region, uh, which was so fascinating. And I think like that start of global experience like was so instrumental in my career and like what it teaches how, you. How has that taught you, right? Because like, yeah. I, I'm a big, I'm not a Francophile, I would say. I okay. love France. But okay. and I have a I have a podcast that I have to introduce you to after that. Okay, Please awesome, me. great. Um, but I do love Europe in general. Yeah, and like just the cross cultural exchange. Like, how did that influence and enhance your uh, just business acumen and the way you live your life today? Yeah, I mean, I think like you have to operate with a sense of openness. Like, not everybody's going to be like you. Not everyone's going to understand you. You're not going to understand everybody. And sort of just like like really having that open mindset as you like walk through your day. Um, you get really steeped in cultural nuance. Um, and again, to be successful, you have to like be flexible and be willing to like take on how other people operate. And it can't just be, at least this was my learning, can't just be the way that you think it should be done because everybody sort of operates and acts differently. Um, you know, one of the things like sort of just to fast forward a couple of years when yeah. I was like in marketing on the Barbie brand and working on international marketing and so I would take what was a global brand strategy and have to really like implement it in subsidiaries around the world and that was such an indicator of like here's a global strategy so of course you want it to be consistent you want it to look and feel the same but that's not going to be the case and so my sure. job was really to like work back and forth with the local markets local country managers and say like okay like how do we make this right for Mexico for Norway 100%. or whatever and that, I mean that's so so valuable I so you were at Mattel, you yes. ended up bouncing back. Like, yeah. how, how did that, like, were you, were you always in your head, like, oh, I'll be back? No. No, you know, I was at Mattel the first time, almost eight years, I guess, and uh, I had long wanted to live in New York. I had long wanted to work, like, Where did you live in New York? I lived 34th and 10th. At the oh, time, yeah, yeah, it was, like, yeah, Chelsea yeah, Hills yeah, Kitchen, yeah, Free yeah. Hudson Yards. Yep. Um, loved it. And, you know, like... I always wanted, and I'd wanted to work more squarely in fashion. And like, Barbie dabbles in fashion. Like when I was on the Barbie brand, I would go to Milan, Paris, yeah, yeah, yeah. go to Fashion Week, see like what designers should we collaborate with, but it's totally adjacent. Um, and so I had an opportunity to move to New York, work more squarely in fashion, and so I left Mattel. Um, you know, ended up at Amazon, like you said in your very eloquent intro, and like was there about two and a half years. Had a blast, learned a ton, uh, got to do some really cool shit, and one day, you know, got an email from Richard Dixon, who had been the head of the Barbie brand when I was on Barbie, and he actually sort of like brought me into the marketing role that I'd had there. Um, he ended up going back to Mattel. He'd left, come back as, you know, president and COO, and he emails me one day to say, hey, like, would you like to come back? And the brand needed a transformation, needed a reboot. Um, and I was... What, what were some of your biggest pain points then, and what did you do to ensure that you, you know, reached those and... Hit them. Pain points in terms of? Barbie at the time. 
when I came back. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like, uh, going back to the brand, and this was like end of 2014, and consumers thought that Barbie was superficial, didn't really understand the benefit of the toy, parents didn't want their kids playing with the toy. As a result, consumers were sort of like, okay, cold on it. Um, and it was really about like establishing a purpose and like sort of what is the lens that you operate through um, to bring the brand to life. And so, um, you know, that was one of the first things that like we started working on when I came back was, um, you know, I was head of global brand marketing and we were like, okay, we have to like right set, frankly, ourselves with parents, like get them to- Because they're the buyers, they're the ones. Kids loved the, kids still generally felt positively about the, the toy, but parents were like, to your point, gatekeepers a little bit. Sure. And, you know, they had some hesitations. And so it was about like showing a brand purpose, like showing how, yeah. how you and, could uh, shift the way that kids playing with a doll. And, and how'd you do them. that? Do you remember like one marketing play or something that you did that like kind of like reached that, reached the parents where they were at? One marketing play? No, there were like multiple marketing plays. I know, plays. I know. I, I have to ask those like. Yeah. Um, success overnight questions that aren't real, but yeah. Yeah, no, of course. You know, I think one of the things, and uh, again, like, a lot of the team that I worked with is still there and like they talk about this today is establishing a purpose for the brand, um, which for Barbie was inspiring the, inspiring the limitless potential in every girl. And you know, how do you like bring that to life? And that became the North Star. So like to take like 50 things that I did when I was there in my second stint and boil it down to one, it was establishing that purpose because all of my decisions were made through that lens. Like does this inspire girls, yes or no? And if it didn't, then like it may yeah. be awesome and a fun idea, but we wouldn't do it. That makes sense. I gotta ask. Yeah. Did you see the Barbie movie? Of course. What did we think? It was amazing. I thought it was like really, really well done. They tackled a lot, yeah. a lot, um, and like it was really great to see. Again, some of the work that I had done, a lot of the work that has been was done that was that a topic to when you were there. The movie? Yeah. It was. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The movie was with Sony at the time. It's obviously now with Warner Brothers, but uh, yeah. There's some public information about some actresses who were considered for the lead role. I met with those actresses, and yeah, right. it was um, it was definitely a topic, but it evolved a ton, and I think it landed in the exact right place. It was so perfect. I loved it. You saw like, it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I loved it. I, I my girlfriend was like, I want to see it a second time, and I was like, I will Same. totally watch it a second time, but where I don't want to go back to the theaters. I would watch it at home. I heard it just it, hit streaming yesterday. So. It did. Um, Shout out Amazon, I think it's on. Uh, yep, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my former employers, yeah. as you noted. But uh, soundtrack on the music yeah. was amazing. Yeah, it tackled, costume design. tackled a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and for just sure. like, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts and we could talk about it after, but it was amazing. I want to talk. You moved over from Barbie to Ken. Being, being, there you being, go. Being yeah. at Men's Warehouse yeah, yeah. And, and Joseph A. Bank. Yeah. What, what made that the right role for you? Um, and like, what was intriguing about the vision that they were selling you and how you could, you know, yeah. infiltrate it? You know, I have long had a passion for menswear and like, gosh, 2009 started a menswear blog, Men's Threads. Uh, still live? <laughs> it's still live. Hasn't been updated in quite a long time. Okay. But, you know, that was sort of like my entree. Like I was doing Barbie marketing during the day and on the side I was like, blogging about menswear and nerding yeah. out about it. And it was sort of this like time, there was like an eclipse, if you will, of like folks talking about menswear. Like you can find me standing outside of fashion shows looking cool on GQ.com sure. and like that whole like moment. But, um, you know, fast forward a few years and like the opportunity to like work on these super iconic menswear brands was something that was really exciting to me because they're brands that everybody knows. Um, I talked to consumers 
who are way too young to know who George Zimmer is, and like they know who George Zimmer is, the founder of Men's Warehouse, and it's like steeped in culture. And I thought, like, you're gonna like the way you look. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he built an empire, and you know, like yeah. everyone knows Barbie and has a Barbie story. I've heard pr pretty much all of them. Happy to hear yours. Uh, everyone has a Men's Warehouse story, and yeah. so I was like, this is such an interesting, like, and it's super adjacent. You know, like you may not think it like intuitively, to, yeah, but, <laughs> but like there is like. When I was looking at your LinkedIn, I was yeah. like, no, no, it makes sense at yeah. least from a marketer's perspective. Yeah, and so you know, like my my job the past four years has been like, how do we uh, reintroduce these brands to customers? How do we attract a younger audience? How do we show cultural relevancy? Um, and it's been super fun. So, because I think Joseph A. Bank and I think Men's Warehouse, and I mean this in the nicest way, but I, yeah. I remember my at least my you know, perception of the brand and how I've known it. Like it's always been on the TV commercials when yeah. I was 13. You're gonna like the way you look. Yeah. Joseph A. Bank, right? It, it's, it felt more to an older crowd. And now that I'm, I'm coming of age, like how are you getting more people who are like younger millennials and Gen Z yeah. into Men's Warehouse and Joseph A. Bank when, I mean, it's a crowded marketplace. There's a lot of people selling great clothes today. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think there's a few things. Like one is we have, I think some of the most dedicated, hardworking associates in the business. And, you know, like the stories that we hear from customers on what our teams in the stores will do to like make them, make their experience right and make it perfect, like are, um, are amazing. Uh, I think coupled with that, you know, we've really shifted our marketing mix. It's wonky, but you know, you're like, we used to be primarily on TV. And so of course, like, how do you get that older customer? Like they're on TV. We've really diversified into you know digital channels as everyone has and should, uh, but really keeping an eye on like where is our core demo and like how do we get in front of them? Um, two years ago for prom, which most fun I have all year is our prom campaign. I remember, I remember getting my prom. I got it at Men's Warehouse. It tends to be people's introduction with the brand, and yeah. you know, we started working with Twitch, and you're like, of course, this makes so much sense. Like that that person, that customer is like they're a gamer, they're into it, sure. they're on Twitch, and we've seen a ton of success there. So I think it's just about you know continuing to really like look at like what are the right platforms and what is the marketing mix to get in front of folks. And then the third is I would say just like the way that we're bringing the creative and the advertising to life. Um, making sure we're representative, making sure we're like showing things in a new, in new and modern way. Um, and that's been really exciting. I think the feedback has been generally positive about, you know, my job is really to evangelize and reintroduce these brands to younger consumers and get them excited about shopping with us. Absolutely. No, I think you guys are doing a great job with it. And I'm curious too, because like, as no pun intended or pun intended yeah. as like it's a buttoned up brand yeah right like that's what you're selling yeah. how do you manage that and being buttoned up but also like express your creative taste i mean i think you know it's interesting one of the things that i really learned working on barbie was barbie um, had been super buttoned up and Barbie is like, if you want to be in a cultural conversation, you have to allow people to laugh at you a little bit and you have to laugh with them. Um, and I think the Barbie brand, when I was there, like we did a really good job of like sort of opening ourselves up to that. And I think on like Men's Warehouse, like, you know, somewhat similarly, like sure we're buttoned up in that we're selling suits, but it's like how we showcase, you know, those moments and those moments that matter to customers that really like allow us to be part of their conversation. Um, and like I said, I go back to, you know, prom a couple years ago, like we photographed prom in like a shopping mall that hadn't been updated since 1995. So it was like that 90s mall nostalgia and, you know, teens are going through a moment of like 90s are cool. And so it's about typing, tapping into the zeitgeist and like, that's just the way that we continue to show relevancy. That's awesome. And I mean, CMOs have uh, a notoriously short tenure and you've been there since 2019. What do you think of some, some of your like 
key points that have led to the success of this being the right place for you and uh, just showing success? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I think Taylor Brands has a really incredible culture generally, and I've been so like impressed with um, people who have a really long tenure and are also super open-minded. And so I talked earlier about like success in consulting came with like being flexible, and I would say like the culture at Taylor Brands is like there's no ego, there's no hierarchy, which I love. So everybody sort of like collaborates and works together. Um, but I think for me, it's also been being given the latitude to like try new things and jump into new ideas and being supported to do them. Um, you know, there has to be some sort of risk if you're going to like shift a brand's perception. And yeah. not every culture is, you know, ready to do that. Absolutely. So I have to give a shout out to uh, my six-year-old cousin. Okay. And uh, he told me about getting a whoops into a wahoo. Turning a whoops into okay. a wahoo. I love that. And I, I want to ask you, like, when you have turned a whoops into a wahoo. Shout out, Adrian. Oh, my God. I love that. Love that. I'm going to use that now in my team. It's a, yeah, it's so great. Um, trademark, Adrian. But that's yeah. okay. Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'll say, like, from a customer standpoint with Men's Warehouse, we just had something go viral where a customer came in, worked with us for their wedding, posted his suit on his wedding day. It did not fit right. Um, and it was interesting because he got a lot of feedback online that he hadn't tried the suit on before his wedding day. So that part was on him, but also like, you know, like it's important to us that like everybody loves the way they look. It's our little yep. tagline. Uh, so had the team reach back out. We brought him back in. Of course, his wedding day had passed, but like got him into a suit and he was like, this is incredible. Um, so I think like part of it is like keeping your finger on, finger on the pulse of like what are people talking about, what's important to them, and either you can like rectify it individually or generally to be like, hey, we're gonna change the way we do X to make sure that like doesn't happen to anyone else going forward. Absolutely, no, I love that story, and I love turning whoops into wahoos. Yeah, if I, if I can, most of the time. Uh, so a lot of our listeners, again, young younger twenties. Yeah, yeah. When you're, I want you to talk about your leadership style, yeah. how you lead, and what you look for in you know potential hires. You should have the people who work for me sitting here to answer yeah. the question. But, uh, you know, I, I lead from a place of, like, I want to align up front on sort of, like, what are we all trying to accomplish together? And then giving people, you know, latitude and empowering them to go off and do. Uh, I found, like, so many times that folks on my team will do things differently than I would have done them, but the results are sure. better than had I done them or they done them the way I would have. that's how you know you have good people. That have good people and also that I'm, like, deploying the right style because I'm yep. letting them sort of like go off and like give it a try. And then I'm there to like help answer questions, like sort through challenges, of course, but you know, really giving them the opportunity to go off and run. So I think that is my general style. Um, it's also about continuing to like pick at the way that we do things. And so like, you know, just because we did something a certain way last year doesn't mean we have to do it the same way this year. And I think like holding my team to a standard of like, critically assessing just like all the time, like yep. how do we improve? How do we make this different and better? Um, and not resting on the laurels of like, just because it worked once, it's gonna work again. Um, the second part of your question was? Leadership style, looking for new hires. So, you know, looking for new hires, thank you. Um, I think like for me, it's really important to look, I look for people who have, you know, again, like energy, curiosity, like looking to like, again, uh, push and try things differently. Um, not happy with the status quo. Um, also, I think it's really important to bring in folks who 
similarly operate without a lot of like ego. And so I talked about Taylor Brand's yep. general culture, but like that's important to me. Like, you know, my door is proverbially always open to anybody in our organization. And like, I want to bring in leaders who operate the same way. I, I think that's great. And so like we were talking about just your career like a ton and I want to talk a little bit more about your personal life and what are some things that like you're super grateful for um, and just proud of that you built? Yeah, um, I'm really grateful, like I said at the beginning, of the ability I've had to travel around the world. Um, a lot of that has been through like business opportunities, but I think I facilitated, like I said, like, you know, being really vocal about this is something I'm interested in and it's like so influenced my career path, I believe, and like the success I've had is wanting to learn and wanting to like experience, you know, sort of other cultures, other people. Sure. Um, so, been super, super grateful for that. Um, you know, I also am grateful for the fact that like I started my career in consulting and like very nerdy, very right brain, left brain. Like when I got hired at PwC, Preston Harris Coopers, they were like, take this logic test in addition to your interviews because we're going to teach you how to code. So like that was kind of like a path and. I had a passionate interest in fashion and other things. And so I literally was like, I had flashcards at home that was like on one side, the name of a designer or a brand or a house, and the other side, who's the creative director. And I taught myself, I like subscribed to Women's Wear Daily at the time of like just understanding the fashion industry. So like when, it, when I was presented with the opportunity to be like, do you want to move more squarely into marketing? Do you want to do this? Like I was prepped and ready. And so like, I'm grateful that someone saw that in me and like gave me that chance, but also like, proud of myself for like setting myself up to say yes. Absolutely. And last question before yeah. we get the quick question around, what's something in advice that you would give anyone who is, you know, 21, 22 or your 21 year old self? Um, like cast a wide net. Like you don't, you never know where you're going to land. You might have an idea about what you want, but like there's a lot of opportunities out there. And so like keep a very open aperture. Perfect. I think that's a great way to start the quick question round. Okay. So. Before we enter the quick question round, got to give a big shout out to Open Fortune. Open Fortune, in a world where over 4,000 ads are seen daily by, by consumers, Open Fortune is giving brands a golden ticket to reach consumers by putting ads in fortune cookies, the ones you knew and love, by making relationships with over 47,000 restaurants and making the fortune cookies cool and fun and easy. So without further ado, let's crack one open right. and uh, see if it relates to our conversation we had Sounds today. good. All right. I like this. Okay. Mine's a question for myself and it says, can you really have everything you desire? And that means to stay content, boys and girls. <laughs> and back, Staples. What do you got? You are about to see something in a whole new light. There you go. I like it. I like Prophetic. it. Prophetic. There you go. Well, we saw your whole career in a, in a new light, a lot of our listeners, so it's on Awesome, brand. good. So let's hit the quick question around. All right. Person you most want to sit down to dinner with? Tom Brown. Favorite city in the world? Paris. Is it okay to, to sleep with socks on? No. Favorite rom-com? Oh, shoot. Pass, no. <laughs> pass? Literally pass, I can't. Okay. <laughs> Best spot to eat? In New York City. Hillstone. Controversial. What's your least favorite marketing jargon term? 
I mean, I'm going to have to say, like I was telling you earlier, it's like, let's win a lion. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? Uh, that I should just keep my head down. In one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? A hot mess full of possibilities. I love that. That was my favorite answer today for that question. And if you, so if you were to have a 10 million fortune cookies and could write the fortune, yeah. what would you say on it? Live your best life. That's a good one. And where can we find you, Matt, 10 years from now? Where do you envision yourself? Uh, 10 years from now, hopefully, I am, you'll find me like, you know, retired living my pied a terre in Paris. There you go. Well, we're, we're wishing you the best of luck with that, man. Likewise. Thanks, Thanks for so joining much. us. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for having me. Absolutely.